Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Bengal Tiger Recruiting Podcast. I am Billy Embody. Shay Dixon is with me as well. Thanksgiving is here. Thankful to be uh, with you guys, uh, trying to get you through this week of family and errands and cooking and all the things. Uh, we'll have plenty of football to discuss, and Shay and Matt have sure, certainly done that uh, with the podcast this week and more to come. On that front, as LSU closes out its regular season with Texas A&M, but we are here to discuss recruiting. About to heat up. The transfer portal is already open for FCS prospects next week, uh, or right after the SEC championship game. I guess I should say it opens for the FBS players to enter their name. We'll discuss that. We've got a lot of things to kind of touch on here to kind of set the stage for what will happen uh, next week, which will be kind of that really sprint, you know, to early signing period. Uh, you know, schools can't have, you know, guys on campus for games anymore. Official visits will heat up for some of the top prospects on LSU's board. Uh, and we'll be here, obviously, to break that down as well next week. Uh, but, Shay, let's, let's jump on in here with some good news to start the podcast, and that is that LSU has three five-star prospects committed to the Tigers According to the on three rankings now, we've had Shelton Sampson, a five-star. He was one of the very early ones. Zalance Hurd was officially uh, you know, named one earlier this year after his senior film came out. And now LSU has another with five-star edge. Uh, Deshaun Womack earning that fifth star from on three. I guess your reaction uh, to Deshaun Womack landing that fifth star and obviously what it means for LSU's class to have three five-stars on board. 
Yeah, I think we're seeing right now, Billy, the fruits of landing elite prospects, right? I mean, Harold Perkins, five-star, number one linebacker in the country um, just a year ago in that cycle. And you see how quickly of an impact he can make. Um, people ask all the time, is there an expectation that five stars play early? These top 50 guys play early when they put themselves in positions like Harold with natural talent and this staff, I think they want to get them on the field. We saw it with Will Campbell, Emory Jones, a top 100 guy uh, is starting a lot of games for him. So I do think when I look at this group of five stars, you're getting an offensive tackle, you're getting a wide receiver and you're getting an edge rusher. Those are Three positions where usually wide receivers probably playing the earliest. Um, I think Shelton Sampson's a guy that could get on the field next year. I think it'll be interesting to see what they do on the O-line and get hurt in. But I look at Womack and he adding Womack adding his fifth star. I think he's probably the guy I have number one on the list because you lose B.J. Ojolari. They've got some other guys you can put at that edge rusher spot and they'll play multiple players and um, Matt House will move guys around. But I just get the sense from both what we've seen from Deshaun Womack, talking to LSU sources, people around the program, there's a sense that he's a guy that can come in and kind of next year under Matt House really hit the ground running and be a guy who plays right away, which is kind of what you need. You need a few of those in every class. And I mean, he's you know earned it. He had a huge showing at the Under Armour Future 50. He was a target right away for Jamar Kane, even dating back to his time at Oklahoma. He lands him at LSU. He beats out top competition for him. You know, Georgia was hanging around there, took an official visit to Oregon, also to Ole Miss. I mean, that was a huge land this summer and one that, you know, after I got to see him for the first time at Future 50, it was kind of a wow. Okay, this guy has the frame that you really want as somebody that can play right away and contribute. Then I saw him play against DeSoto, who's a really good high school football team in Texas, and he was absolutely dominant, multiple sacks, multiple tackles for loss, a forced fumble. Um, he's earned it and he's you know only stepped up even more as they've played tougher competition. So one of those that you kind of saw where it was trending. And I mean, he went out and and earned it. And, and I'll make note too, Shelton Sampson had an unreal showing against uh, Ashton Stamps, uh, an LSU commit, a guy LSU's really high on uh, in the playoffs this past weekend to advance Catholic onto the next round. So what a showing from him. That's what you want to see from five-star prospects. You can see them kind of, you know, have huge games and do what they do as five stars, but, you know, they're not perfect. You know, Shelton had uh, kind of a quiet night against, um, uh, I believe, Woodlawn uh, and Jordan Matthews earlier this year, but he goes out and he absolutely dominates in the playoffs when they need him the most. That's what you want to see. So um, a, a pretty big uh, week for LSU's five stars and, and Neville's, you know, uh, continuing to to push through into the playoffs and kind of hoping to make it to the Dome as, as they always are. So it's been a good run for these five-star commits as well. Yeah, let me ask you, and for those that don't know, Zalance Hurd plays at Neville. Will Campbell, who's LSU starting left tackle as a true freshman, played at Neville last year. They were on the same offensive line together. So we'll watch to see if they can go back-to-back uh, -back again at offensive tackle in college. I think on three, and Bingle Tiger of Page, ability, we've sent you to California, Florida, LSU's got 25 commits. I bet you've seen 20 of them at the least. Is Womack the best player you've in LSU's class? Is he the best player you went out and saw? I would say so. I would have my best performances that I've seen in person been Deshaun Womack. He probably had the top showing that I saw just start to finish in a game. And then he's also backed that up just overall. And then Dalen Austin, who we'll talk about a little bit later, 
he was really, really good uh, when I saw him really shut down his side of the field um, and, and has had a senior year to back all that up. He was a big riser in the rankings as well. Um, Zalance Hurd, I think, has been as nasty and as dominant as you want from a guy who is now he's he's seasoned. He's played a couple of years of offensive tackle, but still to have that mindset to go out and dominate the guys across from you like that down in, down out. That's what you want to see from these elite prospects. It's why Will Campbell is playing right away and playing very, very well. Uh, that mindset is just something that you not you can't necessarily coach. Those three, just off the top of my head, have probably been the best that I've seen. And I'm trying to rack my brain and, and see if there's anyone else. Um, but those guys have had the best in-person outings that I've seen. Um, and, and then also Kyle Parker's very smooth. Um, and, and, you know, capped his high school career with an unreal performance trying to help Lovejoy come back against South Oak Cliff. So, um, yeah, I would say Deshaun Womack, though, is the best player in the class. Uh, and I just love his upside. I, I think he's going to be somebody that is a three down player for LSU, too, at multiple spots, potentially. They can move him around, rush the passer um, and also, you know, potentially factor in at Ali Gay's spot on the other side. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think he's the best. Uh, would you agree? Yeah, I think the rankings, they have them all right there together. I think Zalance is 15 and Shelton and, um, and Womack are at 22, 23. So, so all three of them kind of in that same spot. Yeah, I think, and I think he's got the best shot to play early. Um, good. And look, a good edge slash D-line class for Jamar Kane. Uh, we'll continue to talk about how, that here in a second with Joshua Mickens. But Dylan Carpenter out of Santa Ma, they had flipped and gotten into the class off a of senior eval. He gets into the top 300, becomes a four-star Billy, they, I think they're number four on on three, but they've been a top five consensus on three consensus class five. Everyone always asks me, um, do I think they'll finish top five? I think the, we've talked about this on the board. I think they finish either, give me this assessment. Maybe this is just how they close. Is it a better chance that they finish fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh? I think that's their range right now because other teams are going to get commits. We're going to talk about flip watches. We'll see who they close with. You're feeling it. Do they end up in that four to seven range and on which side of it? Yeah, I think the range is, is perfect. Um, I will say, and I again, you kind of have to look and see if there is a chance that they could get to three maybe. And that would be a type of an all-star finish for LSU. Again, how do the potential flips factor in? If they can get one of Desmond Ricks, and JV and Toviano, and maybe hold on to Dale and Austin. And then you you have Nicholas Harbor walking around out there, who's a top 10 or top 20, I think, five-star um, for on three. And kind of, a, I think he's a consensus five-star. Some others might not have him there. But um, you talk about those two guys right off the bat. And then Camorian Pimp, Pimpton, uh, the tight end out of North Crowley, who's now a top 150 overall prospect. You know, maybe throw in a Harvey Broussard, maybe throw in somebody else. Kind of like Isaac uh, Smith type people that are top 200 players that are uncommitted. Yes, that gives you that edge to probably finish at, at the very least top five. I would probably say, judging by where we have some of those guys at on three, I would say that would push you into holding on to that four spot is my bet. Um, so kind of, with that in mind, how do you kind of not necessarily see them finishing right now, but... How many prospects do you think that they'll probably end up out of the high school ranks, you know, adding to this LSU class down the stretch? 
Yeah, and we'll talk about portal stuff too, which will be the other end of this off-season equation in terms of who you add. Man, in my prediction piece, I did 29, so that would be adding four more. And I think when I did the scholarship story, just to make it an even number, I did 30. Um, there's no cap for any team on how many you can sign high school-wise, so they can sign as many as they want. My guess from studying the numbers, there's a story on On3 on our site on the Bengal Tiger. If you haven't read it, you can dig through the feed and and find that about the scholarships. But I think they would be safely in the range of probably what they also want to do in the portal and staying under 85 scholarships, factoring in all these people who could go to the NFL or um, not all the guys who probably only a handful that go to the NFL, but that are graduating everything else. Long-winded explanation, short Billy, 30 seemed like where they would be safely in a range of add high school guys and still have room for the portal with however many additions you want with the comings and goings of the roster. So four to five, I think four probably. Yeah, I'm kind of in that boat too. And I think, and this isn't necessarily a numbers always work out thing when it comes to how they'll finish, but if they were to add Desmond Ricks and JV and Toviano, and you just posted a story on Dalen Austin, we'll talk about it in a second. It makes sense. You, you at, you, potentially lose one, you add two, which is what they would have wanted to do all along. They want to add one more corner. They want to add one more safety. You look at those things factoring in, and that's a good, healthy haul for this staff, uh, especially in the secondary. I mean, that would be, um, you know, that's a that's a serious amount of loading up at that position group, and, and kudos to the staff if it happens, especially because it's hard to do. Those guys are all types of athletes and players that want to play early and they see themselves contributing right away, whether that's, you know, what they're being told by the staff or not. I mean, that's how corners, that's how wide receivers, running backs. Um, I mean, a lot of you know, positions in college football, but for the most part, you want to see, especially at the LSU level, those guys all be able to, you know, compete right away. Uh, and I think the guys on the board, and I think a lot of the guys in the class have that potential. So um, I could see four to five as well. Um, just kind of off the cuff, you know, I think watching somebody like a Harvey Broussard out of Louisiana, does he get the call for an offer? He certainly visited and put in the time uh, to be a guy that you kind of think LSU might make a move on here late. Um, so we're monitoring him. Kamorian Pimpton, I mentioned, he's somebody you've got to monitor late. He's been committed to Vanderbilt, been very quiet on the recruiting front. I'm scheduled to go out and see him Saturday in his playoff game. So if you have a rooting interest, root for North Crowley to upset uh, Prosper. Prosper's been terrific this season. Um, and, and I know they have one loss compared to North Crowley's undefeated mark, but a lot of people think kind of Prosper's going to pull that out. Uh, so hope for uh, Pimpton and North Crowley pull it out so I can talk to them. But um, you look at those other guys, they just had Jordan Hall on campus, the four-star defensive lineman out of Florida. You never know if they're kind of maybe in it a little bit more than even we hear about on on some of these flip targets like a a Bo Hughley out of Georgia, four-star offensive lineman committed to the Bulldogs, um, and Amari Washington committed to Oregon. Um, you know, we just don't always hear about that as much sometimes when they're trying to work it in those, uh, you know, down-to-the-wire situations. So I think four to five is is a safe bet, and, you know, they could even miss on a Desmond Ricks and a JV and Tobiano and still end up with a Harvey Broussard, Morgan Pimpton, um, maybe somehow a Jordan Hall, but an Isaac Smith and a Nicholas Harbor finish. And you've got to celebrate that. That is closing, even if it is ends up being like a four for seven uh, type of finish. I mean, that is, that's high, high level stuff. And especially if you were to keep those commitments they have on board too. 
Yeah, I always laugh. I'm, like at the end when you've got like seven or eight targets left and people are like, oh, you only finished with two. We went two for eight. This isn't a five for five joke. Um, you know, two for eight or whatever. And we only got the two guys, you know, we were expected to get or whatever. That's usually a good thing. You don't want to be hinging the end of your class on getting eight people on signing day. So I always find that fascinating when you're going to have these guys here at the end that everyone freaks out about. But it's like you, you, you better hope you're not leaning on banking all these signing day kids and you already have 25 commitments. That's the approach. So I'm to the point where, and also I think it plays in, we'll talk about that here in a second with the portal that at this point, it's kind of lanyap. If you get the guys awesome, if not, you address it in the portal. And that's just kind of how it is. Now there's losing a guy on signing day is no longer the end all be all to make a break a class. Yeah, and I mean, after the season LSU had and you look at some of the guys they've developed into, you know, B.J. Ojolari potentially moving on to the NFL, maybe a guy like uh, Jaquel Roy moves on uh, to the NFL. Uh, some of these other spots where they'll have guys move on to the NFL, some of those transfers now kind of compared to the beginning of the year might say, look, I can go play at LSU, and they're right in the hunt for not only the SEC West, they want it. They're, they've been to Atlanta and year one under Brian Kelly. That's a big selling point, I think, for some of these transfers. About to be the wild, wild west. We'll kind of jump to the transfer portal real quick and kind of shake up our little rundown here because uh, we're on the subject. December 5th is when the portal opens for FBS prospects to officially enter. There's, a, uh, I believe, a four-day dead period before that, uh, and that's when LSU can assess their class, uh, their roster meet with players who might enter the transfer portal maybe do some recruiting on the nfl front do all those things and know what their real number is going to be when nfl draft declarations are done when uh some of these players do enter the transfer portal because it's inevitable uh quite honestly and then they can go out and they've been slotting their board of all these potential transfers hey who played four games and shut it down or who is still under four games and you know, after this weekend, it's still going to be under four games. So they they can kind of redshirt and then have however many years of eligibility left. Who's somebody that is highly touted, but maybe just buried somewhere else who's got potential. All those things for this scouting department at LSU are being talked about. It's not tampering or anything like that. It's just being prepared because it's going to be an insane, uh, honestly, couple weeks between that with early signing period with LSU going to the SEC championship game that weekend, they're going to have to turn around and be ready to rock right away. Um, and it's going to be fascinating to see where they put their emphasis on in the transfer portal. Yeah, I think they've got a good feel for the roster and kind of know. You even heard Brian Kelly say it um, ahead of the UAB game because it was senior night and people were asking if they should look into some guys not participating, meaning they might come back. And he kind of said, look, I'm going to let guys say what they want to say when they want to say it. But in the next couple of weeks, expect to hear some declarations on that end in terms of returning, come and go and whatever. So I think they have a pretty good feel for who's staying, who's going, whether that's portal, NFL, all that. And I know this and I've talked to college coaches, Billy, at a number of places. And they said, starting December 5th, you've almost got someone on staff. You do. It's not their only job, but this has now become a part of their job that are refreshing the transfer portal all day, every day, because the second a name goes in, that kid can be contacted. And the second you see a kid go in that you say, we need that position, whatever it is, you're on full go with 
the evals, the talking about it as a staff, everything like that. So perhaps for LSU fans, you take some salvation out of seeing what Brian Kelly did in the portal this offseason and the staff um, because they address needs very well. I mean, the majority of these portal guys are playing very big roles from Jaden Daniels on offense to Makai Wingo on defense and every cornerback on the team that's playing. Um, they filled a lot of holes. Noah Kane at running back leads the team in touchdowns. So Brian Kelly's talked about it in recent interviews this week. Billy even said the portal can be one of the portal can hurt your team in a major way, or it can save your team in a major way. And it's a delicate balance if you're not doing your homework. So I think it's all hands on deck for the staff. You refresh the portal, that name hits, you've already done your homework or you do it right then. And you're making quick moves here because these kids want to be transferred and enrolled in a new school for January, be there for the spring semester. Yeah. And another thing too, as once the SEC championship game, uh, you know, clears for, for LSU, they'll be right in the mix of, you know, in-home visits, going to see high schools, doing all those things. They'll also have to do that for transfers. They'll also have to go stop by their old high schools. Hey, do they, you know, I know this kid is so-and-so and, you know, entered the portal. Let's go check in with this high school coach, you know, prioritize them, show them the love, get somebody in his ear. That's a positive voice for you too, to kind of battle for you because these transfers, regardless of if they've announced their intentions to enter the portal earlier this year or are going to do it right when it ends or right when it begins, they're, they're in a, one wild west to a, a sprint to find out where they're going to go and finish their college career. It, I mean, the coaches just have it, you know, they've got it tough right now with this window, but it is what it is uh, until they make changes to the calendar, move up the signing period to maybe the regular kind of basketball early signing period, or maybe before the season, I'm sure we're going to be talking about changes to the calendar after, uh, after this comes, because it's uh it's insane uh, with what they're going to have to do uh, when going into full-blown recruiting mode. We are going to talk about the portal a lot, Billy, starting December 5th. And for that 45-day window, then again, after spring ball, there's a 15-day window. So 60 days total, we will be heavy on portal talk. But I do want to ask this, and don't make this about what we've heard from sources or any of that. I just want your opinion. Which position or two positions do you say are the absolute most important for them to get out of the portal? And I, for me, I put corner at number one because every corner they have right now is a grad transfer or out of eligibility. And then you're playing either like LaTerrence Welsh and those guys or newcomers. Yeah, I, I, I would agree that corner is a big priority. I still think tight end is a priority. I do too. Uh, prob probably the number one for me. Mason Taylor's you know, certainly uh, been a huge part of this offense, especially as of late. Um, and has been clutch. So he's got, you know, he's one of those guys that right now looking ahead, you feel pretty good about what he's been able to put together. But Brian Kelly and Mike Denbrock, they want another tight end out there that they can really move around, create mismatches. Uh, that was something that, I mean, Cincinnati's always had really good tight ends, especially when Denbrock was there. Um, so if they can get another one out of the portal and Kamori and Pimpton, you know, if, if they, they land him, he could factor in right away, especially after an offseason uh, with LSU strength and conditioning staff, if he ends up at LSU. Uh, but you've still got to go find somebody who's older and kind of maybe brings in um, another option uh, and just more weapons and, and, and ways to create mismatches. That's something that they've kind of had to really uh, create this year 
um, with that position more more so than others. So I would say tight end is a big one. Corner is a big one. And I, I, I think in this SEC, you've got to have a good interior defensive tackle. Um, and I, I think that they'll they'll go out and try to find one that that can step in and be a, you know, top three kind of contributor along the inside. Just in my opinion, I just you've got to load up at that position. We saw what happened when Mason Smith got hurt. It was you know, certainly guys stepping up, but they would have liked to have had a little bit more depth there. And Bryce Langston, Tyje Hill, you don't really see just yet what they're going to be able to bring to the table, if anything, at that spot. I think the defense tackle spot is a huge one as well. I like those three. I'll tell you this too. That watch, my not a, this is not a bold prediction actually at all. I think they'll take the best kick returner, punt returner to hit the portal. They will be all over. Yeah, the guy who can catch the football. Like I'm not even. You're laughing, but I'm dead serious. Like, yeah, they clearly think that right now Greg Clayton is the best option on the roster for doing that. He's a walk on. You know, not knocking that. I'm just saying like he wasn't even guy recruited to be here. You would have to think they're going to be out looking for someone who's a big time return man, or at least has great hands and catches it. So that's what I'm watching. Uh, yeah. Man, we're ending. I don't say ending on a sour note here with our flip watch. This uh, one could go uh, on a while that. though. So that's why I, I shifted it. It was a natural transition and we could be, okay. we could be, <clears throat> we could be talking about this one for a minute. I will say, okay. Uh, you mentioned the kick returner, punt returner kind of reminds me of when, Ed Ogeron, I'm not comparing regimes. Don't don't play me on Twitter or anything like that. But remember when uh, kickoff was so bad and he said, I'm going to go out and get a kicker and he's going to kick it out of the back of the end zone. And that's what Greg McMahon went out and did. Got Xavier, uh, not Xavier Atkins, Avery, Avery Atkins uh, to do that. That's what else you needs to do with the kick returner yeah. spot. 100%. Avery Huge Atkins beast. Great, great point. Um, um, and, and for okay. the brand, Avery Atkins. Um, all right. 25, 25 commits. So th- we've, we circled three here that are on flip watch. We're putting on flip watch, I guess. I don't know if they even are on flip watch, but we're, we're saying they are for let's, sake of this discussion. Let's lead off with most likely to least likely. What okay. do you think about that? So Joshua Mickens is the most likely. I would say so. Joshua Mickens, four-star edge prospect out of uh, Indianapolis. He's been committed to LSU for – uh, quite some time since July. And we've talked about this and we've mentioned this at on the win bar, which if you aren't a Bengal Tiger subscriber, subscribe for $1, get a year subscription uh, and also a free Founders Club hat to read this stuff. This is our new Thursday feature. It'll run on Thanksgiving. We're going to do it on all the uncommitted prospects and kind of lay everything out that we're, we've been hearing. Be sure to check it out. When you subscribe and you want your hat, either DM me if you can't find the board post or uh, there's a board post that we bump every few days about claiming the hat. So I've seen some people pop up on our YouTube uh, comments section asking about the hat. That's how you get it. it. Takes a few minutes to redeem it. So housekeeping out of the way. Josh Mickens has been committed for a while. I want to reiterate: this is a guy that and, and a family that lost his father in January, and very very difficult thing to go through for anyone. And throughout his recruitment, he's he's been very quiet. He doesn't post much. I think he only had like two Instagram posts um, and, and doesn't really respond to much of anything. And I think over the last few months, he's been starting to hear from Ohio state more. Then he goes and visits uh, about two weeks ago now. Yeah, it was two weeks ago. Picks up an offer. 
immediately sets an official visit back to Columbus to see the game against Michigan. It just seems like they're trending that way to flip them by all accounts. We're kind of hearing that. Um, I don't know if he's informed the staff of that yet, but um, he's going to go do his due diligence of a place that's just two and a half hours down the road from his mom. Um, and, And I just think that is, Probably in the end, going to be too much to overcome for LSU. Yeah, okay. And they've been recruiting him for a long, long time. Brian Kelly, Brian Poley, and they've been, you know, recruiting him hard since they were at uh, Notre Dame. I, I just feel that one's going to be. He could well stick. I mean, we don't he have. Could. We're not. We're not saying it's a hundred percent, but we're putting him as the most likely because for the reasons you explained. Okay. And then we'll look. We'll get an update there. He visits this weekend. That's his official. So. We will know soon his official visit to LSU has already happened. That played a big part in him committing in the first place. Okay, so who are we putting at second? I'm going to put Dalen Austin. I agree. And Dalen Austin, four-star out of Long Beach Poly, had a really good senior year, rose up in the rankings a little bit uh, for us in the, on 300. I mean, he could have factored in, you know, if, if he, uh, you know, he could factor in if he ends up at LSU as a punt returner too. He was, he's been that dynamic. Um and he's just so quiet on the recruiting front. Again, uh, another another prospect that's fairly quiet. Uh, and I posted some tidbits on the board after I went out to Long Beach earlier this year and mentioned that, that, look, this is a lot of like recruiting the family. And you talk to Dalen every now and again, and he just doesn't deal with it much. But Oregon has kind of been the school, and you did a good job of circling this one probably two solid months ago. They've got his former trainer on staff there. Um, He's a West Coast team. His brother plays at Oregon State. He's going to go visit uh, Oregon State to watch them play uh, Oregon this weekend. You know, this is one where it's definitely not set in stone, and they've done a really good job recruiting him, and he's done a really good job of recruiting um, for LSU. But we're starting to get that feeling that maybe he is, in fact, uh, going to be one that, that, that flips away here. Well, and he took an official visit to Michigan State in the summer, same time as LSU. And this past weekend, he was in uh, East Lansing for Michigan State's game. Um, I think they played Indiana um, in that one, overtime game. I think they lost. Um, You can Google that. Don't bank on my college football Big Ten uh, insider knowledge there, knowledge there of game scores. But point being, he was at Michigan State. He was at Oregon the week before that. You noted that his brother goes to Oregon State. They're not in the mix here. I've heard rumblings. Brother's a little bit older than he is. Um, I've heard rumblings that his brother, early on, one thing to remember here is Dalen talked about wanting to play in the SEC. And his brother's played Pac-12 football. I've heard has told him, hey, look, if you've, he's not pulling him to Oregon State as much as he's saying, man, the chance to play at LSU in the SEC at, you know, DBU, quote, unquote, is a big time opportunity. So there's a reason I think he committed in the first place. There's a reason he's been here three times in the past five months. There's a reason that he's been recruiting kids to the class. As you noted, there's a reason he has not decommitted, but at the same time you see those visits. And then we've got an interview now on the site where he talks about it, but entertaining the idea of not signing early and potentially taking visits in January I think any time that happens, like if you're giving two signing periods and you're committed and you don't sign in the first one, you start to wonder how, you know, how committed are you if you're not willing to go ahead and get it done right now? He's not an early enrollee, so he doesn't have to do anything right now. I guess for me, that's what I'm watching. Does he 
because this happens all the time. Sometimes kids just don't say it. They're talking about, hey, I may do this until February and the position coach at LSU or whoever recruits them, Brian Kelly, they sort of shut it down. The kid signs in December. You never hear about it. We also have seen many times, Billy, when kids say, yeah, I'm not going to sign until February and December signing day pops up and LSU tweets out that the kid signed. And then the kid's like, yeah, I've thought about waiting, but I just went ahead and did it. So I'm probably most watching to see if he sticks with the decision or the line of thought that he may not sign early. Yeah, that's the the huge one here because, you know, one, he's taken those Michigan State, Oregon visits. He could very well do something in the early signing period and still not end up at LSU. But he is, you know, the idea of him going to February is, is probably not good for LSU. The one thing I'll say is, then maybe you have the time to get him back on campus. And he's visited a couple of times unofficially since his official. Um, it's a really tough one to read, I think, because there's just not much that gets out there about him. Uh, so for us to get a story one is, is big and to hear from him. Uh, I think there are guys that don't sign early and you know they're going to stick. I mean, Paul Mabenga let me know, hey, I'm signing in February. We do it. You know, that's how we do it at Buford. Maybe LSU gets a silent, you know, letter of intent from him. I, I'm not sure. But he said, no, I'm not taking any more visits. This is how we do it. Um, okay, great. Emory Jones, I believe, did the same thing uh, last year for Catholic. I could be wrong on that. Um, but for for Austin, it's just kind of concerning just with him having those ties to Oregon with his trainer being on staff there, um, former trainer being on staff there. So that's probably the school we're circling. Uh, he certainly entertained Michigan State a good bit, too, so I wouldn't count them out. Um, and I'm not counting LSU out, I think. He loves like all the things you you laid out about the school. So um, it's going to be really interesting to see what he does. He's probably one that is is going to, you know, keep things fairly close to the vest. But yeah, the whole sign early, sign late thing. Sometimes some sometimes we don't even hear that. that oh, that kid wasn't even going to sign. And then, you know, we got on the phone with him and talked it out and boom, he signs the next day. Um, so that's, I think, the push they're going to have to share with Dalen Austin. I mean, on the bright side, they are recruiting Desmond Ricks and JV and Toviano. And if they get both great, and then you can either still recruit Dalen to, to join the club or uh, not if, if you're LSU. And if you don't get either, if you get one of two, you can recruit him hard uh, through February. So uh, one of those guys that right now, definitely up in the air, um, there's been some buzz about him, you know, obviously flipping. We saw with Jalen Brown that buzz, and now it's kind of quieted down. We're still keeping our, you know, ears open. But you know, I talked with a source close to him uh, last weekend or last week, and you know, things are now kind of back on track for him to go ahead and, and sign with LSU is what it seems like. But um, that one's going to be really interesting to, to kind of follow. Yep, and I'll say this. Um from speaking to sources on this, like on the Oregon side, like the LSU side would say we're bad, you know, we're in for a battle. We know, you know, you know, you would be for a California kid that's from far away. People on the Oregon side are telling me right now, Hey, three months ago, Oregon didn't even think they had a shot. Now all of a sudden he's around campus a good bit. They feel like, Hey, we may can get an official visit out of him. We might get him to wait till February or if he does wait till February, that gives us more of a window. So let's, I guess, clarify by wrapping it up that, Oregon doesn't think they're a slam dunk to flip him. It's right. just one of those situations where he's clearly still ex listening to other options, talking to other staffs. And if that window's open, these schools are going to be going after him. So, all right, last but not least, the highest ranked, well, yeah, the highest ranked guy on the list, Deron Reed, 
Yes. You're, not, you're, you're selling. Are you selling on him being a flip candidate? I'm I'm selling on him being a flip candidate. And I'll, I'll okay. add the caveat, though, that it'll be interesting to see what happens at Auburn. We're circling that one. They're 45 minutes down the road. They've had him on campus a bunch. But he's been pretty clear with LSU about where he stands from what I'm picking up from sources. Um, and obviously, there's changes about with Auburn. NIL could end up factoring in here. Who knows? Um, we know Auburn has been really pushing that lately. That was part of the reason why they got uh, rid of Brian Harson. And, um, you know, who knows if the lane train goes to town there. Uh, but this is, I would say, if, if he doesn't end up at LSU, he ends up at Auburn. I think most would, would probably agree with that. Um, and then you get into the, well, all right, Jamar Kane, out of all the position groups, I would say, save for running back, I would say, and, and maybe even safety to an extent, his group has had the least amount of drama uh, in it. You know, Brian Pulling was lead recruiter on uh, Josh Mickens and, you know, uh, Jamar Kane was you know, recruiting him as well. But this Duran Reed one, it, it's certainly interesting. You know, Auburn is one of those schools that kind of lays in the weeds in a way, waits, and then, you know, you never know. Sometimes they they come up with a signing day surprise. They've not done that as of late with all that turmoil there on the plains. But I'm I'm in the boat of all right. I'm I've I'm like the Washington Commanders. Uh, shout out D'Angelo Hall here. But I've opened up options uh, to be pursued for sale. That's what I'm selling, uh, Duran Reed. I'm not. I haven't sold yet, but but I've opened up the options uh, to sell him being a flip candidate. Okay, so we have. I agree that he's least likely at this stage, largely because Auburn doesn't even have a coach right now. Um, we will once they get named a coach, Auburn will create natural. There's natural buzz around that, and because of that, you'll hear Duran Reed say things, and you'll see Duran Reed probably make a visit. Uh, but I am not sold on him being a, a definite flip. I've got him third on my list. And you know, it. I will say this: it'll be interesting to see just overall what happens with Auburn because it's Auburn, but. That staff that's there is not slowing down on the recruiting trail. You kind of have one of those great interim coach opportunities here. You've got Cadillac Williams, great story. Zach Etheridge is still there. I mean, they have guys that love being at Auburn, recruiting these guys really hard. Obviously, they're coaching and recruiting for their next job or to stay with the next staff, but they've not let up their pursuit of Daron Reed uh, or uh, Sterling Dixon, which is kind of where I got that tidbit from the 2024 edge out of uh, Mobile Christian. So, Auburn's still I, trying to hang around with a lot of these guys, including Jaron Reed. I do think that if you look at these list of three guys, the guy we have as most likely to flip Mickens is the guy, in my opinion, of the three, that if you lose him, it's not the biggest blow to the class. And I say that not because Mickens isn't talented. He's a top 60 player. He's obviously very talented. Uh, but they have Deshaun Womack at edge. They've got Dylan Carpenter at edge in state. They've got Jackson Howard as an edge. Um, they've got some edges on the roster. Let's rewind to the beginning of the or middle of the podcast when we said, what do they need out of the portal? What are the biggest needs for the team? Cornerback and DT, defensive yep. tackle, are two of the positions that are very high on the list. And it can be argued, Reed is your only defensive tackle. It can be argued that Austin is the best corner you have committed. Maybe there's some silver lining there that at least of the, the two guys that you might feel like you still got a chance to keep or the two you actually really do need to keep. Yeah, and I think with defensive tackle, 
Deron Reed could come in, put on weight, get some snaps, because he is that talented. I mean, he flashed a couple of plays when I went and saw him in Georgia that were just unreal. And then with Austin, he looks physically ready to go, um, has the speed, has all the things you want, has been playing a lot, played both ways some. I mean, he just plays has, in a big time program, Long Beach Poly. Big time program. And I think when when the coaching staff sits down with those guys, especially with, with Josh Mickens, I think you have to kind of almost shape it as, you know, look, we're, we're, we're family here. We're, you know, we can't fault you if you do end up staying close to the home for the reasons you have, but you are family here. And certainly that applies to the other guys committed. But with Duran Reed and Dalen Austin, the push should be, I mean, you come here, you work hard, get after it, and you can be playing right away serious snaps i mean look what they did this year they had guys come in new faces whether they were older younger and they plugged them right in this is a coaching staff that is not afraid to play young guys and play them a lot i'm with you okay so we we didn't wrap up on a negative note that was a somewhat positive outlook did we just talk ourselves out of all those guys being flipped just kidding no not at all it's not what we did yeah but a good pod uh, certainly a lot of intrigue to, to come with uh, the LSU targets and potentially some commits. We broke them down on the commitment front in last week's win bar. Go back, check that out when you guys subscribe. This week on Thanksgiving, we're going to post it early. Let it ride all day. Uh, you guys enjoy your Thanksgiving. Uh, Shay, I heard about the cranberry debate uh, on the, the mailbag pod. Um, what is your favorite? Gross. What is it? Yeah, it's gross. What is your favorite? Uh, Thanksgiving side. Oh, yeah. Emily, my wife makes some amazing mac and cheese from like 10 different cheeses and it takes all day for her to do. So no doubt. Mac and cheese, number one, mac and cheese and fried turkey. I could just go, I will go all day on that. You're just, you're just getting all the points. Make sure Emily subscribes to uh, the Bengal Tiger YouTube channel as well. Uh, (laughs) uh, Mine, I am a uh, stuffing guy all the way. Good stuffing. Uh, is, is my jam. I will eat it all day and um, not complain about it at all. So um, with that, guys, we're thankful that you guys listened to the Bengal Tiger po- podcast. And hopefully you guys subscribe to the Bengal Tiger YouTube channel as well as wherever you catch our podcast at. Please do so if you haven't already. Page has been blowing up. Shout out Maddie B for growing this thing. It's been a blast. Um, thankful for all of you guys that listen. Thanks to Shady for joining me on this edition of the Bengal Tiger Recruiting Podcast. We will catch you guys next week. We're going to be stuffed a little fatter, but still have LSU recruiting stuff uh, to break down for you guys. So be sure to check us out next week. Have a great week. Enjoy LSU A&M, and uh, we'll catch you guys then. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. 
Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.